You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Welcome, everyone, back to another show, another episode here at the MJ Sportscast. My name is Mike Tang. I'm joined by my co-host, Jerry. Jerry Yang, how are you doing today? Good. You know, another week of sports. This is a good time to be a sports fan right now. Uh, we have the Niners, you know, not doing so hot, but the Warriors are looking great. Warriors are, you know, one of the hottest teams in, uh, in basketball right now, so... Yeah, overall doing pretty good. Fancy teams doing pretty good as well. So that's always makes me happy. How about you, Mike? How are you doing? Yeah, football's been a little rough the past, I would say, what, four four games or so. The Niners are on a four-game losing streak here. Yep. So they usually say when you're on a three-game losing streak, it's time to panic. So then when you start reaching four or five games, um, you may have to start thinking about the offseason, right? Um, unless the Niners try to turn it around. We'll definitely talk a little bit about that and and what's going on in that locker room there. Um, the NBA is doing well as well. Um, you have the Warriors. Um, they have a pretty nice uh, strength of schedule <laughs> in the beginning of this season. Um, here, very favorable. So, um, you know, they should be doing well uh, at the beginning of this season. They're 4-0 um, here. So I'm really looking forward to it, man. I'm you know, I'm really anxious to kind of see how the 49ers will respond uh, to this losing streak here. And, you know, at the very least, we have Trey Lance kind of waiting um, in the background to be the future quarterback of this team. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, they're rolling with um, Jimmy G and uh, with the Bears, right, this weekend, which I think probably is the right move. You know, like I know Trey Lance is a solution for a lot of people or a lot of people want to get reps, but right now you still have Jimmy G and the Trade deadline is actually coming up next Tuesday for the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see if the Niners making moves, right? Um, I think it really depends on this next game. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, I don't think it's as easy as people think it is, mainly because we're flying to Soldier Field. I know Justin Fields is not quite there yet. Um, and Cleo Mack, I think, is out still. But it's still not going to be pushover game. Um, we thought the Colts might have been semi-pushover, right? They weren't looking so good throughout the whole season until recently, and they looked pretty good on us. So I don't think any win now is a guaranteed win for or any team is a guaranteed win for the Niners anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah. What, you know, the, the 49ers, they lost to the Colts here. You know, they started that first drive very strongly here. You know, they kind of had a lot of misdirection plays. Uh, they had Elijah Mitchell involved with the running game. Um, there and and then all of a sudden it just felt like Shanahan um, went towards the opposite direction in terms of his play calling. Uh, what are maybe some of your highlights and lowlights of this game here? Yeah, so like you said, it was a strong first start on the first drive. And I don't think Shanahan necessarily went away from the play call. It's more the offensive line was getting beat, right? It was mm -hmm. getting beat left and right, throwing off some timing routes. Um, stopping some run plays that were, weren't happening, especially on third down, right? They were using Hasty as a third down back to try to get 
more yards, and the offensive line was just suffering. I think not having Trent Williams there made a difference. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people said Jalen Moore did pretty good, but he gave up, you know, a missed block that led to a sack fumble by Jimmy G, right? So um, mm-hmm. I would say overall, I think he was average at best, right? And there was a few key things that he let loose, right? And I think what the highlight is not having Buckner there was a huge thing. And we actually felt it, right? Because <laughs> the other team had him. And the last sack of the game was from Buckner, which, well, you know, that's uh, symbolic of the whole whole situation there. But, yeah, if you want to look at highlights, I'll say the first uh, drive was strong. And then um, the defense forced fumbles, which I don't think was completely surprising given the rainy conditions. I think it was more advantageous for the defense overall. And, you know, but it was still a good improvement from the team. Um Elijah Mitchell was great again, right? He had 107 yards and one touchdowns on 18 carries. So he's looking like a every down back, you know, a guy we can depend on. And I think on that run, I think one of the things that I would say was bad for the Packers is we didn't run more, right? Given how wet the conditions were and how Jimmy was looking a little frazzled, maybe we should run the ball a lot more, right? And try to get the get the running back uh, more reps to to open up the pass. Um, so some of the lowlights, I think that there's too many PI penalties on the secondary. The secondary just looked really lost. Like a lot of plays, they were just hugging the defender and they looked like they panicked once the ball was in the air. And I think there's a lot of fundamental beast or fundamental football for the secondary that's missing there. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things that, you know, easy things I think the fans look at, right? It's like, hey, you know, when the ball's in the air, you see the defender look up. Well, you have to look up too, or else it's gonna be a PI, right? You couldn't wrap, you can't wrap up on a player until the ball is there. <laughs> Just little things like that, I think, led to a lot of um, a lot of confusion, a lot of penalties, and then turnovers, right? Like even though we had turnovers, there's more turnovers on the other end, right? There's two interceptions and two fumbles, um, so there's two two more um, turnovers than we had. So I think that was the difference in the game. And the play call was a little questionable too, right? Like we saw that um, the offensive line wasn't doing well. You would think Kyle Shanahan has more creativity involved, you know, and getting more players and spreading out the football a little bit. I mean, we talked a lot about Debo Samuels uh, being a great player, but there was a few plays where Muhammad Sanu was open. And why didn't we get Kyle used check involved as well, right? So there was a lot of... A lot of questionable decisions, and I don't think necessarily all falls on Shanahan, which I think is becoming, you know, a guy that's on the hot seat and being held accountable and taking a lot of the blame. I think a lot of it's also execution. So Jimmy mm-hmm. G not being able to execute on some of those plays is lowering some of the confidence in Kyle Shanahan on what he trusts Jimmy to be able to do, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that locker room is just in shambles right now. I think that having two quarterbacks there is starting to surface when you're losing. <laughs> so, yeah, you yeah. make uh, you make some really great points um, there. There's not many highlights, but you know this game would have been perfect for Trey Lance to you know have maybe 20 snaps or so, just because he can definitely use his legs and be able to kind of bootleg um, in the rain on um, there and kind of. Uh, execute like shorter passes um in that area and that's something that jimmy garoppolo really failed to do um 
the, the, the main issue with this team the past two seasons has just been third down conversions, right? Yeah. And Jimmy Garoppolo, and this, and especially in this last game against the Colts, he failed to execute in the third down um, there. And, and I think that's when Shanahan kind of panicked, right? Mm-hmm. Where in that first drive, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo looked great in the bootleg. Um, and then he got shut down um, during the second and third drive of the game there. And Shanahan kind of went away from that bootleg play. Um, and, you know, when something, when they stop it, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do next? And it looked like Shanahan was very unprepared with what, yeah, what to do. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really have an answer. And um, yeah. The, and, the, the, and I thought he was conservative too, right? Like after the first drive, he just started being really conservative with like short check, check downs and not, not going deep, right? With some of the other players. And I thought the Colts were really aggressive, right? On the other yeah. flip side of things. I think Frank Wright called a pretty good game, and Carson Wentz uh, made the plays on third down that Jimmy G didn't, you know, and I think that was the biggest difference. And I was actually pretty surprised by Carson Wentz's play. He played a lot better than I thought, you know, and this is one of his better, best games I've seen him play, um, given the conditions and given the talent out there, you know. Um, he didn't have T.Y. Hilton, for example, right? Um, but he was still able to get it done. And he got it done with, finally with Michael Pittman, which I think is the number one receiver out there that was underutilized. Mm-hmm. So that was a, I think that was a big difference there. Yeah, you see the the impact that Wentz had for his team. You know, you can see why he was an MVP candidate before he got injured two seasons ago with the Philadelphia Eagles um, here. And then you kind of see what impact any of the 49ers offense made there and no one really stepped up, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about the identity of this team. And, you know, you, you kind of move past Debo Samuel and there's no one really kind of stepping up. There's no one, you know, and no one in that sideline um, kind of talking up a big game for the 49ers there. And I think they've uh, they lost a lot when George Kittle went down, right, um, the past few games here. Um, you have Brandon Ayok, he's digressed. Um, this season, I have no idea what the heck is going on behind the scenes there. Um, and then you kind of have to, and then you look at um, DeForest Buckner, you know, it's very fitting he had the last sack of the game, right? And then you kind of look back at that trade that we made there to to um, move Buckner over to the Colts. And when you look at it, it's really, you're really trading Buckner, you know, for Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. And when you look back at that trade, it looks like a really, really, it looks like we really struck out on, on that deal, right? Yeah. Um, and I think one of the interesting things I heard on KMBR, actually, when Joe, the Joe Saley show this week, yeah, was he was talking about locker room leaders, right? So compared to the 2019 versus this team, so you had the offensive line had a leader with Joe Staley, right? I don't think he called himself a leader, but I'm calling him a leader, right? I think he was a leader for the offensive line. For the right receivers, he had Emmanuel Sanders. For the DBs and the secondary, he had uh, Richard Sherman. For the linebackers, he had Buckner, right? And for the tight ends, he had Kill. And for the running backs, he had Raheem Mostert. Guess what? Most of those guys aren't here anymore, and none of those guys played this week, right? And I think that's really showing, you know, you're losing all the leaders in your every single position, basically. Every single key position, you lost a leader since 2019, and this is the result, right? And I think 
I think Lynch and Shanahan probably underestimated how important it is to have like a veteran leader, right? They thought guys like Moret and Trent Williams mm-hmm. and you know they probably still thought Moser would be around, right? Obviously, and you know those guys aren't around because they're hurt or they're not natural leaders. So that's that's a big blow, <laughs> I think, to this team. Right, it's just losing those kinds of injury, and then it's not like losing a small player. You're losing your tight end one, right? <laughs> your left tackle, your running back one. So, you know, as far as the rest of the season goes, you know, a lot of people are saying the season's over, but there's still nine games to play. There's a lot of things that can happen, and I think Kyle Shanahan in his press conference, he's not giving up on the season, and that's why he's not playing Trey Lance as well. He said he'll work Trey Lance in for a few plays. But he still believes they can make the playoffs, and mm-hmm. he still believes that Jimmy G's the guy that's going to take them there. So he's going to stick with this model <laughs> to do or die for the season, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some adjustments being made here, and the first test, you know, is at, at Chicago this Sunday. Um, it's going to be do you interesting think the to see. Over? How about what's your thoughts? Do you think the season's over? Because I don't think it's over yet. I think there's still a chance. I think. On the four-game losing streak, it's easy to say it's over, um, yeah. but yeah, it's too early. It's still way too early here. Um, you know, even if a team is is like four and two, it's still too early to determine that they're in the playoffs as well here. So, you know, it's a long season, guys. Um, it's it's going to be over if we lose two more games in a row. I would say. It, that's a tough hill. That's a very tough hill to climb out of. But and we're still not last in our division, actually. Seattle is right. Yeah, we have <laughs> and we have a whole lot of winnable games here outside our division. So yeah, we we still have an opportunity. Do we have an opportunity to chase the division title? Probably not. There, I think the Rams have a good hold of that spot. Well, the Cardinals, not the right? well the Cardinals and the Rams are in contention of that right. spot too. Um, but we still have a chance to be in the wild card race. I think we're a few games out of that. So it's never over um, here. And, uh, you know, we still have some stars, you know, coming back from injury and George Kittle. And I, I still think we're going to be in okay shape. So um, first case of business is taking care of business in Chicago and being able to um, exploit uh, the Chicago Bears offense because that offense has been struggling with Justin Fields uh, back there. Yeah. So we have some comments. Uh, Andrew Peterson says, spent six and a half hours on tailgate and game on Sunday with that weather. Man, I, know, I feel really bad for all the fans that went tailgating, lived through the rain just to watch them lose, right? And that was kind of a painful game to watch, you know, not just on TV. I can imagine being there. And um, Chen I think one of the biggest criticisms was at the end of the second half where they had um, one and a half minutes left, three timeouts, and he decides to run the ball twice and take a knee, right? It seems like he gave up the possession because in the second half, the Colts had the ball, you know? Yeah. So and, and the fans were booing. I can imagine it was not just booing that situation, but also booing the being, you know, in the weather and also booing the, the game in general, right? Not going their way, so... And then we have Jeannie Liu. I'm always optimistic, but it's they have been hard to watch. And I agree, this last game was painful. You know, like, you, you think it was painful, Mike? I, I, we were kind of watching it together online, but, you know, I, I had the Warriors game on at the same time. So it was a little bit more bearable for me. <laughs> what do you think? 
Um, my expectations were pretty low for this game, to be honest with you here, especially with losing three in a row. So, mm -hmm. and just kind of all the injuries, and I'm not saying that's an excuse, but the way this team has been playing, uh, lack of playmakers besides Debo Samuel here. So it wasn't very surprising for me to, to watch this, but, you know, the Warriors game were, you know, it was on at the same time. And then, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth uh, between the two games on there. And you can kind of see the difference in effort, the difference in intensity level between the two teams um, there. And it's just, it's night and day, right? I, I would rather watch the Warriors at this. Yeah, I would rather watch the Warriors at this point play the Sacramento Kings on a road <laughs> game as opposed to watching that Sunday night football game. Um, there. It's interesting you say that because the Warriors just start the season. The Niners are mid-season form right now, or should be, right? So the intensity should be swapped in some ways. But I feel like the Warriors have more to prove, better coaching, and deeper talent level, you know? Yeah. Andrew Peterson says diehard. Yeah, you are, man. Being in that rain, definitely diehard. <laughs> so I've, you know, I've never been in um, too many rainy situations at a game here. So if it's really pouring out there, do fans, do you try to stay, you know, underneath covers and near the concession stands? Or do you try to, you know, kind of uh, leg it out for the whole I, game? I've been there. I've been yeah. in Seattle, actually, when it rained really hard. And it was cold. It was like minus 10 degrees in winter chill. And you gut it out, man. Like you, you're watching the game. You get your raincoat on, wear a jacket, and you're gutting it out. I mean, you could go to concessions, but it doesn't help because it's so cold, right? Mm. Um, it's so cold and wet, and you don't want to miss a play. You know? Yeah. And I think I think the biggest difference is you you don't cheer as hard in some ways because you're trying to stay warm and. But yeah, yeah, I'm also wondering. Go, you know? I'm also <laughs> wondering if like you know rain and wind at that same time does that really affect the way your experience is at the game as oh, well it's here it's miserable yeah. are you kidding me it's miserable like <laughs> rather it to be sunny you know like i think anyone would rather have a sunny game than anyone who says otherwise is lying to you or they just you know like like the pain you know so yeah. andrew says our tailgate crew is pretty diehard someone brought tools to screw the canopies into the cement in the parking line, they're always prepared with heavy jackets, sick pants, and ponchos. So, yeah, that is pretty hardcore. And that's what you do, you know. And when I was going to that Seattle game, I was definitely like, what, like what Andrew said, heavy jackets, pants, poncho. You know, like we did tailgate. <laughs> um, but in Seattle, you don't really tailgate. You actually go to the bars around Seattle mm. and downtown, and then you head to the game. So they, okay. they have some tailgating, but you know, usually don't, especially since I'm visiting, I didn't have that, right? So it's, um, yeah, no, it's miserable. So I, I wouldn't recommend it. And I think the only time I would actually want to experience that again is to go to Green Bay in Lambeau Field, just because it's such a historical, you know, uh, stadium. I can get got through a snowy game just just for one time you know but after that i don't think i can do it for any other situation like this, this bears game I would, I would definitely opt out of going to the bears game it's gonna be probably cold there fortunately not rainy or anything else but it's just gonna be cold right that's that's never a fun experience so yeah lambo field would be nice to go to um here i think arrowhead stadium would be a nice environment oh, to, to yeah. attend as that's well good. yeah so get a chair pod. Not sure what chair pod is, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Andrew said, I wouldn't say we were miserable about the weather, but losing that game definitely put a damper in the 
I did help, right? So, <laughs> all right. All right, Warriors, 4-0, as we discussed yeah. earlier here. So, you know, they've had victories against uh, Oklahoma City, uh, the Kings over the weekend. Um, they had an up-and-down game against the Clippers there where they were up by a huge amount. They lost the lead in the first half, and then they found a way to pull it off in the fourth quarter. And then and then obviously Lakers opening night um, there, they played pretty well, especially with Poole. Um, Looking pretty good there in the four, in the second half. Any 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 thoughts from the first four games, or do you think it was just uh, the the Warriors um, playing inferior competition? <laughs> I wouldn't call the Lakers inferior, but then they blew a twenty six point lead. I think uh, in this last game, so maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the bench looked deeper. Right? I think Porter actually surprised me a little bit. I love Porter and. Having Inga Dalla back is night and day difference. You know, having him on the defensive end, him actually uh, getting clutch shots, I think it's a big, big part of this team. And I think we missed him in the last season when he wasn't here. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, you know, he brings a lot of the intangibles that I'm, I'm you know, pretty impressed with. You know, I'm glad to have him back. And I think Jordan Poole definitely is stepping up. And this is this is what we wanted from Jordan Poole, you know, as a third, third or fourth year player now. We wanted him to shine like this, right? I, I just can't wait till Clay comes back and see what the situation would be. I'm guessing I'll be coming off the bench and becoming like yeah. a six-man player for role, but I mean, that just adds some more depth to the Warriors and will definitely help, right? Um, so he's definitely better than Kelly Uber, eh, right? Like he's an improvement from someone like that right now. Um, that's not, yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, I've been impressed. Uh, and obviously Curry has always been pretty good. You know, Curry's. Curry's Curry, you know, like mm-hmm. having him always gives us an edge. And I think Draymond Green's actually doing pretty well as well in terms of playmaking and on the defensive end. So what do you think, Like, What's, what's I, your takeaways from these games? You know? Yeah, my takeaway is Jordan Poole looked great in the preseason there where it looked like he can be a very nice contributor, but I just think he looks very inconsistent mm-hmm. um, this season. Besides that Lakers game here, you know, um, the Kings game, he looked pretty, pretty inconsistent. Clipper game, he kind of lost it mentally in the second half. Yeah, he was kind of seven of threes for the yeah. OKC game. That was huge. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> so if if he's being very inconsistent offensively, and then we kind of know what he brings defensively there, where he has mental lapses on that end of the court, you kind of have to wonder, you know, can we count on Jordan Poole um, during this playoff push? So. That's, I'm going to be very curious to see his development and see how that goes. But that is kind of um, – But J- mini- I think that's JTA kind of, and Damian Lee are stepping up whenever he has a bad game, right? Yeah, I mean, of- all of that, all of this stuff about Poe is mitigated with the play of Damian Lee, who has mm-hmm. proved to be, you know, very uh, – he's been very productive in his role here. He scored 20 points against OKC um, yeah. this past week. And, uh, you know, he's that type of player that the the Warriors, Curry, Draymond Green, they love to play with because he can kind of hold his own defensively. He gets rebounds, and then um, he's a he's the kind of guy that sinks clutch three-pointers, too. He's not afraid of the big shot. So I'm really yeah. impressed with Damian Lee at this point of the season. What do you think about GP2? Do you think we made a mistake there <laughs> by not keeping it? You know, Avery at this point. I mean, uh, this will be the last time I ask you this, right? Because I think as the season progresses, we're, that's going to be a less and less of a focus. But 
I think he's been okay, but not not great though, right? <laughs> no, I think he's, he's been good. Been, I think he's been yeah. good with uh, the minutes that he has played. Um, they're asking him to kind of focus on defense, to focus on individual matchups. There, they're not asking him to, mm-hmm. you know, be an offensive juggernaut out there, right? And uh, he knows the system. He knows the players. He knows the coaching staff. And, you know, that's why he's on here because of his defensive um, defensive tenacity there. So um, if, if he's playing clutch minutes in the fourth quarter, um, that might be a concern. But you're looking for him to be a spark, you know, in that second, maybe that tail end of the second quarter or or the or the beginning of the fourth. So I think it's a good signing. I think it was a good signing just because um, it gives the it gives the Warriors a lot of flexibility there, and uh, we're not tied down to a guaranteed contract for that 15 spot. What do you think about Wiggins? I think that was a uh, he's been up and down, right? I think the last game he looked great, you know, it's OKC, but before that with the Kings he was okay too. Um, but then Clippers and Lakers, I think he didn't do so well. Yeah. Um, what do you think about him? I think uh, you know what we've seen from Wiggins. He's not a he's not a go to playmaker mm-hmm. for any contender out there, as we can kind of see the past you know couple of seasons here. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy that's gonna you know come in and you know kind of be like that third option, a very good third option for you. But if you're counting on him to make plays against top tier competition or top tier superstars. That's not who Andrew Wiggins is. And I think fans need to taper their expectations of a guy like Andrew Wiggins, right? So I thought, like, he he played well because um, he kind of dominated against the goal, against OKC yep. um, this mm-hmm. past Tuesday, right? And he helped ignite that comeback against them. So I think he's a good – I think he's a great fit for the Warriors just because the Warriors have Curry. They have Clay Thompson coming back. Um, in a couple months here, and they're not going to ask for Andrew Wiggins to, you know, score 30 points a game. They're looking for him to be a complimentary third option for this team. Which is good. I mean, you don't want someone that needs the ball all the time, right, on this team. I think you need a distributor. I think he does pretty well distributing the ball. And, you know, I think we just need more from him on defense as well, though, right? I think there's a lot of times where people are shooting over him and stuff, so. Yeah. Let's kind of talk about uh, Major League Baseball here. The World Series is going on. Um, they're moving on to game three uh, with the Astros and Braves here. Um, two teams that I don't think America really enjoys watching, to be honest <laughs> with you. I think uh, I think ratings are going to be really deeply impacted by this matchup. But the Dodgers lost to the Braves in five games, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying that the series beforehand in the divisional matchup Mm. kind of impacted the way the Dodgers felt um, during the Braves series. And I thought the, I thought the Dodgers looked fatigued during the first two games against the Braves. Um, They had, they had uh, Urias, you know, out there as a starter and also as, as, as a relief pitcher. And then it looked like he was out of gas, giving up a lot of runs um, to Atlanta there. Did you feel the same way in terms of how this series looked? Yeah, I mean, Scherzer mentioned that he had a dead arm, right? I think you know, his relief appearance in Game 5 um, affected him. You know, He wasn't able to be ready um, to start that elimination game. And I think that's what made a big difference for the Dodgers. You know, I think that's where they got eliminated. They couldn't have Scherzer ready to go. 
Um, it just makes me wonder, I think, or the questions I had is like, you know, I, I give him credit for going all out because mm -hmm. obviously as a game five, you have to put all your best chips forward. But then there's another series to play. And, you know, this goes back to the question about how playoff um, seeding is working. You know, like, is that wild card uh, spot really necessary, right? Well, I mean, and if you do do the wild card one game, why don't you reseed based on record, right? Instead of based on... You know, wild card seed versus the first because I thought it was really unfair that the Dodgers and Giants had to play each other so early. You know, this yeah. should have been an NLCS game and with seven games instead of five, you know, and now Dodgers are out, you know, Giants are out. So those are two of your best teams. The Yankees are out, the Red Sox are out. Those are probably the two best teams, I would say, in the AL. And, you know, like I think, you know, you're looking at a pretty boring World Series with the Braves and um, the Astros. So, mm -hmm. you know, I want the Braves to win. I'm rooting for the Braves. Uh, there's guys like Will Smith in there. felt like they're really underdogs. Or, you know, it's good to give new teams a chance to win it as well. I think Braves haven't won in a long time, so it's great to see that. And the Astros side, the only reason I would cheer for them is Dusty Baker is um, managing there, right? So I think Dusty... You know, has a chip on his shoulder because of the Giants and probably should have won a World Series with us as well. Um, so there'll be some ways to set things right with that. But yeah, yeah it's almost 20 years overdue yeah. for Dusty Baker since 2002. <laughs> it's probably his last chance if you think about it, right? I think after this, he's probably going to retire if he wins. <laughs> I think he deserves to be in at least um, in the Hall of Fame, or at least be considered for the Hall of Fame here, just because of his contribution as a player and also as a manager. Uh, Jeannie just commented, Giants did what they had to do and wore out the Dodgers. Yeah, I agree. That That's kind of the span sentiment, right? Is that, hey, at least we wore them down. But I think if you do the flip side with the Giants, um, you know, winning the LDS, I think we would have been in the same situation. I can imagine us being in the same situation. Maybe win it instead of the Dodgers, but who knows, right? <laughs> At least the Giants won a 106 wins versus Dodgers lost to an 88 win team. Well, yeah, it's all relative. I'd rather lose the eight <laughs> and be in an LCS, you know. So so sure, you're yeah, I think she's trolling a little bit there, but I get I get the sentiment. So what's up, G says, Rays were the best team in the AL and for the future. Their farm teams are winning as well. Look out for the Rays. Ooh, the Rays, huh? What do you think about the Rays? Have you I think the them? Yeah, I thought that was a good comment there. I think the Rays are a top two, top three, you know, team in Major League Baseball. Uh, they have a great manager. Uh, they, have, they have a great minor league system and a great system in place there, so... You know, I think we talked about this before, but when you're in a three-week tournament like this, playoff system is set up, you know, you're going to have a lot of upsets. And uh, mm -hmm. the best teams don't necessarily win, as we can kind of tell from, you know, the 2012 Giants to 2014 Giants. Those guys were not really good regular season teams, and they would they just got hot um, for three weeks in October. And that's kind of where the, the Atlanta Braves are coming in um, as well. Yeah, I actually went back and rewatched some of the 2010 um, Giants playoff run 
right? And some of the World Series games. And yeah, that roster was not really a scary roster, you know? But they gelled at the right time, got great, outstanding pitching, and they were able to come through, you know? Like Lincecum in that 2010, um, you know, last game of the World Series, it was lights out, right? It was lights out for eight innings, and then Brian Wilson closed it in nine. And this goes to show you, like, even if you do bad in the regular season, as long as you're part of the dance, anything can happen. You know? So I thought the Rays were going to make it to the World Series team, but so I think she agrees with you guys. You know? Yeah, I think I think uh, when it comes to the big dance in October, um, the regular season is it's okay to you know to win ninety hundred games, but it's really about how you're pitching. You know, during the last stretch, are you healthy? And um, is everything clicking on all cylinders offensively um, there? As long as you can get hot at the right time, you can make a run for the World Series. And that's what the Atlanta Braves are doing right now. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the Warriors winning 73 games. And then the next season, they were kind of pacing themselves a little bit. They did get KD, which is a big difference to them. But, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing to win so many games regular season in some ways because you're going to get burnt down and when the time comes like this, you have to get hot at the right time. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with pitch counts and with rest days. I know the Giants have been, you know, leveraging a lot of rest days this season. I wonder if they're going to do a lot more in the next uh, season to get guys fresh when the time comes. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting off season. Um, once the world series is completed to kind of see which free agents the, the Giants will target um from other teams and which one they will bring back internally here so that's definitely due for another episode we have all off season to kind of evaluate and see you know which ones are going to be a good fit for this organization yeah maybe we can do a position breakdown again like we did last last season last off season right where we kind of picked each position and broke down Wrote down the top guys in there, what the Giants situation is. And then what's up, Chief says, Braves need a short series. The longer the series goes, it favors the Astros. Well, the series is one and one, so it's at least going to go five games. <laughs> right. I think so. what I think what uh, what's up, G is referring to, I think the Braves need to start winning games, at least the next yeah. two games or so, <laughs> to kind of clean right. up this series. Once it extends to six or seven, I think it definitely favors the Astros, just because I think the Astros have a little bit more depth um pitching and also offensively um i think they could with withstand a longer series than the braves now losing morton hurts because they were counting on him in game one four and seven yeah did you hear about this one morton broke his leg and still pitched for the rest of the inning. <laughs> that's like gutting it out for game two or i think it was mm-hmm. game two right that he, he got it out so i heard about this i mean props to that guy for playing with a broken leg but yeah, it's a big loss for the Braves at the wrong time. So it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Yes, yeah, last comment be. about the, last comment about the uh, World Series game four and game seven <laughs> become bullpen games for the Braves probably. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know these these bullpen these bullpen openers is very interesting because in the past you would you think, think okay I lost <laughs> I lost my starters and now I'm screwed right for these two games, yeah. but it gives you a chance. You know, it gives you a very good chance, you know, to win one or two of those games there. So 
I'm a big proponent of bullpen games. I I love it. I was about um, to ask you. I do you love it. That's why I want to ask. You. I love it. I love I love uh, I love new trends. You know, it comes to anything, especially in sports. So um, I love how teams are implementing you know different ways and trying to and trying just trying to win. So that's been good. Yeah. No, I I, I like it too because like if you have a strong bullpen like why can't they go for a whole game right yeah um, and with the playoffs too one more thing about that is that you most likely you have uh maybe a rest day in between um there mm-hmm. so that you gotta like uh prepare for those rest days so if you can just have everyone pitch and have a rest day after you're you're in good shape um there but i'm not sure how the rest of the world series schedule looks i'll have to double check that but if they do have rest days in between you know, that definitely benefits the bullpen. So when it comes to baseball, one rest day is huge for them, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that that's going to be a, a big difference maker for them. So, so yeah, though they have one rest day because today is a rest day. Tomorrow is a game. Then the game after that will be Saturday. So no rest day there, but then they'll have their rest day after that. So, okay. Yeah, right yeah, I think it's going to be like two, two, three, and two is the format nowadays. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you know, kind of get rest days between those travel days, I believe. So, okay, let's move on to our weekly picks for the week. All right, let's do it. So, we're gonna start with the Niners. I think we forgot to do the Niners last time, right? With the Colts, unfortunately, we didn't do it because I think we would have been wrong. <laughs> but uh, the Niners are ro- uh, road favorites at Niners West Four at the Bears. The mm-hmm. over under is 39 and a half. What's interesting is it opened at 44 and a half and moved mm-hmm. to 39 and a half, which means a lot of people probably betting the under here, right? So what do you have? This is a tough one, right? Um, I like that 39 and a half over under um, here. Mm-hmm. I think I think the teams will move over that line. And I'm going to pick the 49ers here. I just think um, the Niners have a, a little bit more talent than the Bears. And I think the team is going to respond some way somehow. Um, and that Shanahan will develop a, a little bit of a better game plan. Looks like he was a little bit scrutinized after the Colts game, right, in which he didn't really have any answers. And I think they're, I think this coaching staff is going to find out a way to score over 25 points um in this game here so i'm gonna go with the niners i think it's gonna be like a 26 to like 19 score here so um let's go with the niners how about you all right so for me i'm gonna go almost exactly opposite of you right oh yes (laughs) we should have some type of uh yeah i love it i love it But I think I'm gonna go with the under, mainly of the line movement, right? From 44 and a half to 39 and a half, that's a mm-hmm. huge five-point swing. So I'm thinking people are counting for weather, counting for bad offensive play on both sides and turnovers. So they're thinking a lot of defense will happen here. Probably need to run the ball a lot more. The weather's not great; it's cloudy but not rainy. Um, but who knows? It could be windy and cold. <laughs> So, yeah, going with the under. And I think the Bears plus four looks pretty good. I always like the home underdogs, actually, when it comes to betting, right? Or coming, taking picks, rather, right? Yeah. I love the home underdogs. Um, you get the points, but then, you know, plus four is a lot. I mean, yeah. I think this what, game would be your, what would be your final score prediction for this game? 
It'll be low, right? I think it's probably going to be around like 14 to 13 type of game favoring mm-hmm. the Bears or the Niners. You know, it's like going to be a struggle, I think, on both sides on offense. You know, so, so I can imagine, you know, the Bears getting maybe the touchdowns and then the Niners might rely on the kick, right? They haven't been great on third down, but then they could probably get some turnovers from Justin Fields. So. Yeah, I know you picked the, the Bears on the line, right? Yeah. With four points. But do you think the, the Bears or the 49ers will prevail um, that's a hard one, man. That's a yeah. really hard one. <laughs> I would say the Niners win just because we're so desperate for a win right now. Yeah. Uh, and the Bears have been fizzling too, right? But I just think it'll be really close. I would say Niners win, money line, right? I'll pick money line, Niners, but then Bears plus four. So. Okay. Okay. But- next pick. Yeah. Is that the same for you? Sorry. Let me ask you first. Too. Uh, I think I picked the Niners to win this game like 26 to 19 or some score oh. like that. So it's going to be a little bit of higher scoring. Yeah, I think they're going to I, – I have a I have faith. I have faith, darn it. <laughs> I have faith, you know. Like I envision like two pick sixes, you know. Like, come on. Jimmy Ward, baby. All right. Next game we're going to pick is the Grizzlies at the Warriors. Minus six for the Warriors, right? The Warriors are favored. Over under is 227.5. Actually moved from 233, which is interesting. Um, so what do you have here? So the Warriors are coming home here, and uh, I thought they had a little bit of an eye-breaking experience uh, or eye-opening experience mm. um, versus OKC, in which they were down quite a lot in that game, right? And yeah, I think they're I think they have to take a lot of teams seriously instead of you know trying to kind of wing it, right? So the Warriors are coming back home. They have a pretty long home stand here. I think they're gonna be well rested. I think they're gonna come out to play. I think Curry's gonna score over 30, 35 points a game here. And I think they're gonna get pretty good um, bench production from Poole, from Otto Porter, from Aguadala. So I think the Warriors are gonna blow past this line. I think they're going to win by 12 points against the Grizzlies here, and I'm going to pick – I think I'm going to pick the under in this game um, just because I think the Warriors are going to stop the stop the Grizzlies defensively. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think the over-under the under looks pretty good here. I think the Warriors have blown past the over-under and hit the over and – all their games so far. So I yeah. think that's why the line moves so much. I think a lot of people are saying they can't keep it up, can they? You know? So it's 227.5. But I think I'll go with the over here just because I think that trend continues. I like I like how trend goes, right? And I think 227.5 is a little bit of a tricky trend, you know, or a tricky line rather, but I'll All just right. have faith that it goes over. And Oh man, Grizzlies or Warriors? My six, though. My six is tough. That's a pretty big spread, you know. But yeah, I think I agree with you on this one, though. I think Warriors by six looks pretty good, especially at home. Grizzlies mm-hmm. aren't that great of a team, um, and yeah, the Warriors just been hot, you know. I think it's really hard to bet against the Warriors right now. There is a great team coming out firing and. Yeah, I think I agree with your mind as well. You know, it's going to be around like, you know, 120 something, 130 something um, you know, type of game. So, so I have faith in both teams scoring a lot. You know? So, we'll see. So, yeah, I'll take over here. Okay. Very good. Any lasting thoughts for the week? 
Yeah, I think uh, this kind of will be a happier conversation next time when we win. Um, yeah, one of the things I was hoping that would happen by the time we played the Bears was a Trey Lance versus Justin Fields type of game. <laughs> you know? But I guess that's going to have to wait. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Matt, Matt Nagy, which is the coach of the Bears. I think he's on the hot seat as well. I think even more so than, than Shanahan is. And I think that's why he keeps trotting out um, – Justin Fields, right? I think the, yeah. the two difference between the two coaches is I think Kyle feels secure, secure enough to play Jimmy G, right, and say, hey, we can wait. Well, Matt Nagy said, no, we have to play Fields now. I'm not going to put my job on the line for, you know, for the backup quarterbacks. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know? um, I think okay. it'll be a, have a crappy game, <laughs> to be <Yeah>. honest with <laughs> you. Well, we're going to be watching either way here. Uh, go 49ers. Go Warriors, uh, go Sharks. Uh, yeah. We haven't really talked too much about them, but uh, I'm thinking we will um, in the upcoming so, weeks here. So uh, I think that concludes. Oh yeah, well, that's that's, that's that, yeah. Let's thank our commenters here. Um, Jerry, would so, you like to mention uh, yeah, the guys uh, who have so, commented? Yeah, guys and gals, right? Andrew Peterson, uh, G. Lou, thank you very much. Thank you very much from Twitch. So yeah, let's uh, you know much appreciate your comments every single week. Uh, tuning in, and please keep those coming. We love it, and send us tweets as well. We'd love to hear from you. All right, guys. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We'll tune in next week. Take care, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at Mind of Jerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.